Welcome to G Talk. dedicated to helping you discover your purpose by helping you build intimate relationships and a lifestyle of thankfulness. Listen to us today as we discuss a new challenging topic aimed to encourage you and to challenge you, but most importantly, to build you up in your relationships with each other and with God. Stay tuned. Welcome to G-Talk, and we are your host, Terrence and Adara Clark, and again, this is Terrence coming to you. I've been coming for the last few weeks and months, I should say. It's not, it's really been inconsistent, and uh, hopefully you're not out there saying, well, when are they going to come back? Because, But we're going to get back to pretty consistently doing a weekly study again and really talking about the time of God and the seasons of God and how it really can affect you and I and how God really wants to move us into Uh, knowing his timing and we're talking about the kingdom and so many today are talking about the kingdom of God but it's imperative that we understand the seasons of God so that we can step into these very areas of the kingdom and so over the next few weeks months uh, Darren and I are going to be discussing some of these we're going to look very specifically month by month how these play a role in our lives there is so much information that we've discovered over the last couple of years as we have dug into Uh, many of our uh, heritage uh, scriptures uh, where the Lord talks about the importance of the family of God uh, partaking and being a part of the feast of God and those some of those things and there's a lot of things we've learned we're going to come back and start talking about some of those things but I want to finish today last week we were looking at or last time I was talking I think it's been a couple of weeks we were looking at the fact that um, uh, the the prodigal son and we were we had gotten to the place where we were looking at his story and looking at it from a different perspective. In the past, I think most of us have looked at this story and we've said, okay, that people who are out there, you know, we have kids, we have um, family members, brothers and sisters who we go, oh yeah, they, they, they left the Lord, they've fallen back, they've become the prodigal, right? And then we've, they've come back after 30 years and God has got his arms open for them and he's reaching out, he loves them, he wants them to come home. And that's a great illustration of the prodigal, but I don't believe it is the centerpiece of what Jesus was talking about. I do believe that, yes, that applies. Yes, we can all look at that and go, my brother's a prodigal, my cousin's a prodigal, maybe I was a prodigal. You know, there's a lot of those things we can look at and see the history behind it. But there's some things that I believe that we're not seeing, and I really am bringing out that aspect of this story because Jesus was really talking about his family. And it was really important, I'm, as I'm beginning to understand the, the Jewish culture and the Jewish uh, mindset, it's causing me to really see scripture from a different point of view, a different angle, something different than what I've been taught really my whole life. And it's been an, it's been an incredible journey, I think, for Adair and I both, as we've been studying scripture and seeing it from the Lord's perspective, from just a whole nother way of thinking. And so I've been wanting to look at this passage because I feel like it's really imperative that we understand some things that he's trying to teach us, I believe, that really specifically speaks to how we can engage with him 
and how we can begin to really engage with those who are around us as well, especially those who maybe are Jewish brothers and sisters who are really coming to faith and understanding with the Lord and maybe something that we've not done in the past, but I really believe that God is healing his family. And let me say that again, because I really believe at the very centerpiece of what's happening, when you look around at what's going on in our culture today, right? I'm writing, today is actually the day that I'm doing this. We're right in the middle of an election. And uh, there's a lot happening this year. We could talk about COVID. We could talk about the rioting in the streets. We could talk about fires that are happening. We can talk about hurricanes that have happened. We can go on and on and on. There's a shortage of food. There's a ton of things. And I think for people to stand back, one of the things that they're asking themselves, I think, is, you know, what is going on? Is this God's judgment or is this God, um, you know, bringing the last, you know, the end times? And are we there? And yeah, of course we are. But remember, we were at the end times when when Jesus died. Remember, he said, you know, I think uh, uh, John uh, wrote in the book of Revelation at the very beginning. He told us that we were already in great tribulation. So it's funny. People are like, oh, great tribulations future. John said the great tribulation was now. And so we have been in great tribulation for the last 2000 years. And I know that there are those like, well, I know there's going to be a specific this or a specific that. And I'm, I'm, you know, this is, you know, I've, I've taught on a lot of this. You can go back in, in my, in the, in the vault and look at our, our prior podcast and you'll see, I've discussed some of those things. So I'm not going to spend time right now to talk about them, but yes, there are things that are coming that we have not yet seen. Uh, but, uh, but we are in the midst of tribulation and we are in the midst of things that are being, that are challenging. But one of the things we're not talking about, and that's really what I want to focus on is God is healing his family right now. And that is a large piece of what is going on. He is healing his family. And you might look at that like how in the world, what in the world? Well, it's very simple. He's, he's bringing about the completeness of his family. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. He's restoring everything together. He's restoring it all. And in doing that, of course, he already said that when he died, that he already brought judgment judgment of sin, judgment of wrongdoing, all those things happened already. And so what we're now going to begin seeing is he's just lifting his hand a little bit more. And we're now starting to see the effect of those judgments that he already did 2000 years ago. And again, I don't have time to go into the depth of that, but just understand that that's happening right now. But the bigger thing that's happening is he's restoring his family. He's raising his body, his bride, his church, He's bringing his, his uh, family together, his firstborn and his secondborn together as one so that we can begin to really see um, the promises that he said were going to occur. And so today, let me just finish. I don't want to talk too long and then never get to the story. But the story here that we left at, we were talking about the son, right? The secondborn. We're talking about us, the Gentiles, because that's kind of how I looked at it. If you if you if this is the first time you've listened Please go back and hear part one of Time of God, and you can get that story and pick it up from here. And so you'll know kind of what I'm talking about. But uh, in this story of the prodigal, 15th chapter of Luke, and the 17th verse is kind of where we end it. We were talking about when he came to himself, and he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? When the, the prodigal begins to recognize the culture his father had cultivated in his home, but not his home, his whole kingdom. You see, there was an influence that was persistent in the kingdom, his father's kingdom. It wasn't just his family. 
it was everyone who was touched in that community and by his father. He had moved away so far that he was no longer under the dominion or the lifestyle or the effect of what his father's kingdom really had been and really was. So all of a sudden he sends back and he sees what he's going through and he starts to remember, you know what? My dad's kingdom, right? The neighbors, the, 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 the influence that he has, um, there's enough for everyone there and he's good to everyone. And I'm over here starving. He's like, I will rise. I'll go back to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned before you. And then he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he does three. He has three things that he's really coming back to his father with. Right. He's coming back with repentance. I will arise to my father and say to him, I have sinned against heaven. Two, I will no longer be. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Three, make me like a hired servant. Those are the three things that he comes back to his father with. And that's really the recognizing the recognition of where he really was. And I really see that's happening today with a lot of us in the church right now. Even though we're here, we're like, there's something that's missing. There's something that I want to get. There's something that I need. And I recognize how I've allowed myself to be caught up in this world. You know, one of the things that we misinterpret and misunderstand about God is how patient he is. We think because he's not judged us that we're not in sin sometimes. You know, you get somebody and they, and they do something and it's sinful and you think the, the judgment of God's going to fall on them, right? And all of a sudden they're still, they're, there's no judgment. So they think they're okay. So they continue to do their sin, right? They continue to do, you know, maybe you've seen someone, maybe that's you, but you, we, you think, wow, well, you know, I thought I was going to judge him. He didn't. So it must be okay. He's not saying it's okay. And I think for a lot of us, even in the church, where we have not really been under the full covering because we've not fully embraced all of the things that the Lord has told us to embrace. And so what's happened is we've been out here doing our thing. We've been out here, you know, much like this prodigal and we've not seen the judgment. So we thought we're fine, but then all of a sudden we just realized, you know, things just aren't right. And I can't really explain it, but I, I know there's more food in my father's house and he, he heads home, right? And so it says he arose, he, he arose, came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And, and then the son said to his father, I've sinned against heaven, right? There's the first one and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. There's the second one. So we see two things. The son says, he never gets the third thing out. The father stops him from the third thing. And well, let me just, before we get there, look at a couple of things. First of all, in, in the East, Eastern culture, fathers would never run. Okay. That was Jesus specifically is giving this symbol in this story because he wants to really wow them. He wants them to understand how big of an issue this is, how much the father loves his family, how much he loves his kids, that he would actually First of all, he was waiting. He was watching. He, when the son starts coming home, he's a long way off still. He recognizes that he's a long way off, but he still recognizes that. And it says the father uh, was the one that ran, not the son. The father ran, fell on his neck, kissed him, embraced him, received him. And then as the son begins to ramble off those three things, 
I have sinned. Okay, so now he is re he's he's truly repentant, right? He says, I've sinned. Number two, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's a huge thing because how many of us ever would tell our parents, I'm never, I'm not worthy to be part of the family. That would never come into our mindset. I know it would never come to my mindset. Even it's just, you know, you're, you're born into your family. So how could you ever go back and say, I'm not worthy to be part of the family. And so it shows something here that I think is very it's significant for us to understand the position in the place that this son was at, but also for you and I to recognize the worthiness, because I think for a lot of us, and I'm just going to say it this way, that in, in, as I have spent, you know, a lot of time with believers, it's almost as though we're, we're so arrogant, I think about our salvation. And I think we forget that we were grafted in and I don't have a lot of time to spend on that today. But there's something for that. You know, the Jews had an opportunity to accept their Messiah, their Messiah, when Jesus first came and they rejected him. And the word tells us that because they rejected him, uh, we, the Gentiles, are grafted in. And, you know, after 300 A.D. and there was this shift from Rome and this shift to, uh, you know, to the shaming of the, the Jews and this really separation, it's as though. We have completely forgotten that there really is a brother, another another side to our faith. And we've become really so arrogant, like we are now the master. We are now the kingdom, right? We are now the ones who uh, salvation comes through. Salvation comes through the Gentiles. And it's such an arrogant move on our part because it really is not true. Jesus is Jewish and he always will be. And and the firstborn son, and I, I, I'm going to get a, I think I'll take a couple of seconds here when we get to the, to the other brother to talk about the, the firstborn. A lot of us don't understand the responsibility and the roles that happen because we're Gentiles, because we're from the West and not from the East. But there's a role that the firstborn son has, and it has to do with culture that gets developed. And this son recognizes it, and that's a piece that we don't get because he says, I'm not worthy to be called your son, because he recognized that the firstborn is the one that carries the culture. It's the firstborn that gets the birthright. And the birthright is who determines how and where and what the family will do. And there's a covering that comes by way of the firstborn. It's the firstborn that covers the secondborn and the rest of the family. And it gets passed down from firstborn to firstborn to firstborn. And he understood that. He understood that he was no longer worthy to be placed under the protection of his brother because it was his brother who was going to inherit, you know, the kingdom, going to inherit the, 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 you know, having the birthright. He recognized that. And I believe that's something that we in the church need to begin to recognize that the firstborn, our brothers, our Jewish brothers have the place of the culture. And that's something that we're going to have to understand. I know a lot of us don't know, don't even begin to recognize how that works. But OK, let me let me go on, because I do want to get to the to the firstborn and, and bring this to the end so that we can understand really what we're trying to talk about. So. So the father says, you know, bring out the best robe, put it on him, you know, put hand, you know, sandals on his feet. He blesses him. He restores him completely. He won't even receive the fact that he says to make me a hired servant. It's like you're a son. I cannot make you a hired servant. You're either a son or you're not. Get that piece. It's really, really important. 
You're either a son or you're not. We are either the family of God. You know, God has no grandchildren, right? He only has sons and daughters. We need to recognize this aspect that there are no, you know, if we are not a son, we are not in the kingdom. And that's the way it works in the, in the Lord's kingdom. So he couldn't come back and say, oh, father, you know, make me like one of your servants. Like, no, that we're, that's not even up for discussion. You're, you're coming back. You're humble. You're repentant. You're, you're now a son fully restored. And that's the amazing thing. None of us are worthy to be restored. None of us are worthy to be in the place that we are. But God has placed us here. He's made us sons and daughters and he's brought us into his family. And there's nothing we can do but choose. If we choose to walk away, if we choose to leave, then he will honor that choice. And that's all there is to it. But if we choose to come back and we choose to honor him and we choose to be in the family, we are part of the family. Okay. So let's get to the end here because the older brother, remember, is in the field, 20, 25th verse, and he's, he's offended, right? He hears the music and dancing, and he calls to his servants and asks what's going on. And he says, well, your brother's come back, and because he's received him safe and sound, your father, he has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, you know, I've been with you, serving you, and I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he says to him, son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. It was right that we should be merry and glad. But your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is now found. So the firstborn son has faithfully lived out the commandments that the father has given him. He has continued to live out the lifestyle and he has continued to be in that place. But when you look at it, that firstborn son never really recognizes the relational peace that he has with his father. Notice that it's like, okay, and let's just carry this across to our Jewish brothers and sisters today. Because we are, you know, what, 7,000 years into this earth, right? Give or take a thousand, okay? Roughly six, 7,000 years. And they have, for the most part, they are continuing to live the commandments that God gave them. They have not deviated. Yes, they've gone astray. Yes, they've sinned. Yes, the Lord's had to bring them back. Yes, they have been, you know, they've been through more than anyone can imagine and much of through through their sin. But here we are 7,000 years later and they are still faithfully living out those commandments and living up to the things that they promised their father. But, and we all know it. And, but you know, they, many of them, they do not understand the relational peace. They did not, they missed their Messiah. They've not been able to really understand his grace and his mercy and that piece of it, they are still trying to find. And here is a picture of this right here in this, where he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand how the son, the second son, gets grace and mercy. He doesn't understand how he's still a part of the family. He doesn't understand that piece of his father. And yet the father is helping him to understand, hey, look, you're always with me. You've always been there. You're faithful. Yes. He's like, but we need to, you need to understand 
what relationship is really all about. You need to understand what family really is all about. We need to be excited because your brother humbly received my grace and mercy because he came and was uh, repentant. And you need to understand that because you're going to be in this role as the head of this family. And that's the piece that we really have to understand that in the Jewish culture, in the Eastern culture, the firstborn son, when he becomes the, uh, you know, there's a transition between the firstborn beginning to take control and ownership over the family's inheritance, the family's blessing. He gets the double portion, of course, but he takes that double portion and it's much more than just having money. Remember that in their day, you continue to live with your family. You never go off like we do in the West and build your own family and build your own house and build your own. For them, they stay together. And so the father passed over the respect, responsibility of leadership to the firstborn. And that person, that son, that firstborn son now has the role of he has the ring and he now makes decisions for everybody in the family. Everybody, that includes the other brothers and sisters and whoever. Of course, your sisters go and live with, they go and get married and they are gone. But the other brothers and their families, you become the head over the family. And that's really what he was telling him. And he really wanted him to understand and the responsibility that he need to have grace and mercy and understanding um, how to love and bring back those who had who had had maybe sinful made mistakes and so forth. And so this is something for us to recognize, even in our culture, you know, as as um, Gentiles and Protestants, oftentimes we're like, oh, yeah, you know, and we're like so dominant, so domineering in the way that we think the kingdom. And it's funny how many scriptures I hear us teaching pastors and leaders. I've been a pastor myself for many years and taught many things. And now I'm learning from my Jewish brothers and sisters, and I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed many of the scriptures that I've taught that I'm now finding I completely taught them incorrectly because I did not understand that they were Jewish, that they were that they had to do specifically with certain things in the family, certain things in the way that they thought and certain things the way they did. And the truth is that the family is Jewish. Right. We are Jewish. We are all part of that culture that God developed through the through Abraham. We are part of his seed. And that means that their culture and the things that are there need to continue and will continue to be established in this day and hour. And as we talk about moving into the kingdom, the kingdom is going to be both Jew and Gentile. Right. Us coming together. But it's going to be under the culture that God established with his people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and of course, the family. And so. These are things we need to be prepared for and understanding. And one of them that Adair and I are going to begin talking about is really understanding the nature of the time of God and understanding the culture that gets built. There are so many little things that when you look at our lifestyle, for instance, um, we're in an, in God's timetable. We live in a um system right of 12 months throughout the year. But what we don't realize as Gentiles is that God has to set up these months so that we would live in a perpetual growth of relationship with him. Each month, there is a particular thing in which he highlights in order to develop us into greater intimacy and a greater area of knowing him and greater area of knowing the things that he's saying and doing. And we're going to begin talking about this next week. We're going to go month by month.
began uncovering the the keys to the seasons of God, the keys to knowing who he is, that he has tied it all up, not only in the months, but if you look at the stars, the stars are tied up into the months and these months are tied up into his feasts and his feasts are tied up into his family. And it's all one big piece. And as Gentiles and as Protestants, I think we've missed many of these things. We've not known that many times certain things happen at certain months and there's certain things that God is trying to teach us about himself and about us during those times. And if we knew those things and began putting them together, we would then begin to see on a completely different level of what the things it is that he's wanting us to know about him and how we can live our life out in a much more profound and special way with him. Because ultimately, ultimately, I think sometimes we get stuck. We get stuck in the religiousness of church and we go and we keep hearing, we hear messages, we hear preaching and we, you know, sermon to sermon, right? Message to message. And, but we, it's like, so let me ask you a question. What is all of it for? What's the point? What's the point of the messages? What's the point of the sermons? What's the point of, of gathering together? What's the point of all of it? When you get to the point of it, you realize that it is relationship that God is wanting to build. When we spend eternity, we are going to continue to grow, to read his word, to know him, to be taught more and more and more throughout eternity. We're going to get to know there's so much. He is so big that even through eternity, we will continue to learn more and more and more about him, things that we didn't even know about him. And so be prepared, be ready as we begin to talk about these things and teach some of these things, because it's so important as we begin to step into the kingdom and step into preparing ourselves for living forever with him, that we're going to rule and reign. It's like, are you prepared? Do you know what that looks like? Do you even know that you're going to receive a kingdom based on how you lived here? Do you know that? Many of us just think we're just going to go to heaven and stand on clouds and, 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 you know, play harps. And that's not it. You right now are making decisions that's going to determine what kind of a level of leadership you're going to have throughout eternity. Many of us are failing. We don't even know that, you know, you can, the Bible says you can have salvation, but literally have no place of authority forever. And that's a scary thought that it's not just that you're trying to get, get to heaven to be saved. You are trying to also establish what God is going to allow you to do or not do when you live throughout the rest of history, you know, throughout the, you know, eternity. And so be encouraged right now. Be blessed. Uh, we're going to continue to share some of these things and we'll come back next week and begin to really deal with them. And so be encouraged and we look forward to talking through them and we give you um, uh, hopefully some, 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 some things that you can begin to just take and begin to receive and continue to grow from. And so we look forward to having those conversations uh, as we go on through this teaching. So have a great week. Love y'all. Yeah, Lord bless you. G-Talk is a ministry of Hope For You International, a 501c3 nonprofit organization 
You can find us on the web at thankfultoday.com and gtalk.info. You can also find us on Facebook at The Thankful Today.